morning. Good to see all of you. And uh, we are uh, beginning a new series this morning, a three-week series that we've titled The Risk. And it's a series coming out of uh, the second letter, uh, second really of two letters that Peter wrote to some of the earliest followers of Jesus. And knowing what we're going we're gonna to discover together, as I've been looking at this over the last several weeks, I'm convinced you're going to love seeing Peter's wisdom, his insight, and how relevant it really is to every single one of our lives in the world in which we're living right now. And, uh, you know, the thing about Peter is that this man, Peter, had watched with his own eyes Jesus die. He, he saw the death of Jesus, and he, and he saw him alive after his resurrection. And not once, not twice, but multiple times. And so Peter, who writes what we're going to look at this morning, there, there is absolutely no doubt in his mind that Jesus is the real deal, that he's, he is truly the Son of God. Everything he said about himself is true. Everything he taught is just absolute wisdom for our lives. And Peter, he, Peter was a man who was convinced that he, that he had every reason to live for Jesus Christ. And now quite a few years have passed, really quite a lot, quite a few years and Peter's an old man, he, he might be somewhere in his 70s or even pushing 80, and he's in a Roman prison, and he's facing martyrdom at the hands of Nero. He really doesn't know if he's going to live past another day. And so as he's writing this letter, he's not holding back in his advice to these followers of Jesus. And frankly, I'm, I'm glad he didn't. Because what he wrote to them then has tremendous benefit for you and me today. It, I'm convinced it can make all the difference in every single one of our lives this morning. You know, you know I love an older person. I love an older person who has lived their faith well. They, and and the, I, I love the, uh, the kind of older person who, in a certain sense, they're tough as nails. They, they, they say it like it is. They're, they're so direct in everything they say, but they, you know that they have a heart that's just filled with love for you. And so when they say something to you, you just perk up. You want to listen to what this person is saying because you know they care for you. And that's Peter. I'm describing Peter. That's the kind of a man he is. He was. Now, to understand what Peter writes or what he wrote in these letters is important to know that he's writing to men and women who were going through extreme suffering because of their faith in Jesus. They, they were a group of men and women who needed major encouragement in their life. They, they needed perspective to persevere so that as they were facing everything they were dealing with, they wouldn't go down, they wouldn't go under. They, they, needed, the, they needed strength to overcome this anxiety, the, the emotions that they were struggling with as, as, as they were in the midst of their hard times. And when you hear me say that, you might be saying, well, boy, I can relate to that. I'm, I'm not suffering because of my faith in Christ. I'm not being persecuted. But I need major encouragement in my life right now. I'm going through a I need perspective, I need strength to really be able to face the hard thing that I'm, I'm facing in my life right now. I need it in a big way. And if that's you, I, I want to tell you, here's what's so great about this, about this book, this letter that we're going to look at these next three weeks. 
Peter has the answer that every single one of us need to persevere, whether we need it today or we need it at some point in the future in our life. And I hate to tell you this, but we all need it. We all need it at some point. If we haven't needed it now, we're going to need it at some, at some point. But I would say not only the strength to persevere, not only the strength to, to simply stand through it, but really the strength to overcome where you're growing stronger as a person and you're growing in your faith in Jesus and you're becoming more like Jesus. And so I'm, I'm excited for what we're going to be talking about these next three weeks. And I've got to tell you, prepare yourself. This short letter, I really it could not get more intense than it is. Peter, Peter is speaking from the depth of his heart. And what he does in this letter is he gives the people he's writing to three warnings. And with each one of these warnings, there's, there's a huge risk that they're facing. And what Peter is seeing that, that really is just tearing at his heart is it's like some of them are, are rolling the dice with, with their life where they're, they're making because of, of the hard times they're going through. He sees them about or maybe already making some very unwise and very bad decisions for their life. And I know how relevant this is because in a number of years that I've been a pastor, I've seen people do this too many times where they've been in the, in, right in the middle of a very hard time in their life and, and the, the way that they saw out of it was to do something that really was not going to be good for them or good for anybody around them. So very relevant what we're talking about this morning. And I, I've had this book on my mind for several weeks as we began preparing uh, in doing it. And so I've been waiting to share it with you. But the more I've dug into it, the more serious and really critical I've understood for myself and for all of us really to understand the truth of what Peter is saying in this letter. And so really, with everything in me, I'm hoping you'll be able to make all three of these Sundays, and if you can't, boy, go online, watch, watch the sermon. So here, let's begin. Here's the first of three risks that we all face. It's the risk of forgetting God's grace, and that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Everything in Peter wants these followers, followers of Jesus and you and me today to make the most of our lives, to, to grow spiritually, to become more and more like Jesus, to live lives where we're, we're making a difference for good in the world in which we live, in which we're impacting the lives of other people in a very good way, the, the kind of a life that is a serving life, the kind of a life that, that is truly effective and productive for the glory of God, and at the end of it all, have God receive us with a heartfelt welcome into his eternal glory. That's what Peter wants for all of us. Peter wants this for us. And he knows the key to this happening is us not forgetting, not forgetting the power, really, the power of God's grace in our, in our lives. So here's what we're going to do. First of all, I'd like to read the scripture that we're gonna, I'm going to talk from, and, and then we'll go through it. But what, what we're going to do uh, today and the next two Sundays, because I just, this kind of a, we have a unique, unique opportunity here where we have a, a set of scriptures 
that are so compact that you can actually, you know, put them on a sheet like this. And I'd, so I've got one in each one of our, our service programs, and we got some extra at the door if you didn't get one. This is the kind of thing I would, I would encourage you when you get, take this, and throughout this week, come back and, and read this scripture, because the sermon will stick with you just that much more if you do it, and even keep it in your file. Keep it somewhere where you can come back to it. So we're going to begin at verse 3. I love this scripture. Here's what Peter writes. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And through these, he, God, has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And then he writes, for this very reason, he said, everything I've said up to this point, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Those are big words here. Ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he writes, But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting, forgetting, big word here, key word, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. And then he said, So I will always remind you of these things. I'll always remind you of them, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, saying, as long as I'm living, because I know, he said, I know that I'm going to soon put aside, uh, 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 because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make, he finishes off, he said, I'm going to make every effort to see that after my departure, after I die, you will always be able to remember these things. Right. <clears throat> First thing to know about these verses is that P Peter is speaking to mature believers. These are men and women who've had the benefit of, of time and experience to grow in their faith. And so Peter makes a statement about them in verse 12. He said this, he said, I will always remind you of these things, even though, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Peter's giving them a major compliment. He's saying you're solid in the truth that I've taught you. And he said, not only do you know it, but you're living it in the hardest of circumstances. And so what we know about these men and women is that these, these are men and women who are not taking their first steps in following Jesus. They've, they've had years to experience it. And they're not wavering in their faith. They're, they're rock solid in their commitment to Jesus. And Peter... Peter wants to do everything he can to keep it 
this way. Peter's a wise man. And he knows the potential, the risk, the danger, really, for any one of us to forget the truth of God's grace. And it's so, it, to these, it, it's to these rock-solid followers of Christ that Peter said, I will always remind you of these things. And then to drive home his point, because Peter's a stubborn old man that's not going to give up, Peter repeats himself, and he said, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live. And then he goes on in verse 15 as he finishes this off, and he said, he said and I, I will make every effort to see that after my departure, after I die, you will always be able to remember these things. I'm amazed at what some people can remember. So I thought it might be fun to have a couple examples, so I Googled. And I found out that there was a famous math professor at Princeton University in the mid-20th century. That's when I was born. It's not that long ago. And um, this man could memorize a column of a, foot, of, a, of a phone book at, at one glance, a column. So I was thinking about this a little bit more last night. As I was reading through the sermon, reviewing it for this morning, I thought, is that very impressive? I mean, is, is it that impressive that he could do that? And so I thought, I wonder if we got a phone book. Because I, I haven't looked at a phone book, I don't know how long it's been. And so I dug around in our basement, and sure enough, I found a phone book, and I opened it up, and I looked at it, and I thought, oh, yeah, that's impressive. That is really impressive. One glance, and he could memorize it. Then I found out there's a British artist by the name of Stephen Wiltshire who can draw entire city skylines from memory. Uh, he, he, he once did a 19-foot-long detailed drawing of, of New York City. He did this after one 20-minute helicopter ride over the city. Uh, amazing. Our son Greg had an unusual memory. Uh, he could read something once, I kid you not, and he could remember it. I remember so many times thinking, man, I wish I could do that for preaching. You know, I could just... Get my sermon done and I'd have it. And I wouldn't have to review it or anything, you know. Greg, I remember one time when Greg was in college, and this is, this is the truth. He told me, you know, Dad, sometimes I worry that the professors are going to think that I'm cheating. Because he said, there are times that I can remember word for word what's written on a page in a book. And he said, when I'm answering the test, I can just write it out word for word, right, right out of it. And I thought, whoa, you know, would I love that? Me I'm convinced I've forgotten way more than I remember. You know, I'm just so glad I'm, I'm married to Becky, who I think Greg must have gotten his memory from, because she can remember a lot of things. I, I, so many times she said to me, remember when we did that? You know, and I would go, did we really? Did we do that? No, we didn't do that. And she'll, she'll, she'll trust me, Steve, we did. You know, we really did it. I mean, I, I would worry about this, except I've been this way forever. I mean, I, in my 50s and my 40s, I mean, I, there's this whole box of my life I can't remember. I don't know what it is. Anybody ever do this? I'll leave my office to go do something. 
I'll walk down the hallway. I'll have a conversation with somebody. We finish the conversation, and then I'm standing there going, why am I here? You know, why did, why did I leave? Anybody ever do anything like that, you know? And then, and so you try to remember what it was. You know, just, you know, and, and you can't. So you just, I go back to my office, and a half an hour later, it's, oh, that's what it was. So easy to forget things, isn't it? And there are some things that are best forgotten, so that there's a good side to that. But there's other things that you and I, we just never want to forget. And it's those things that Peter is determined to do everything he can to help other people remember. And for Peter, what's most, most important to remember, and this is what we're talking about today, most important to remember is the power of God's grace in Jesus. Power of God's grace in Jesus. Which he describes for us in verse 3, where he said this, His divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. I just love that. His divine power has given us everything, everything we need for life and godliness. That's a bold statement. I'd say it's as bold as it gets. Peter is saying the same power that resurrected Jesus from death to life gives us the power we need to go from spiritual death to spiritual life and the power that we need to live like Jesus. Phenomenal! Wouldn't you say Absolutely phenomenal. What we're talking about here, everybody, is the gospel. We're talking about God's grace through Jesus. Jesus, Jesus doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. It's this grace. The power of God's grace that Peter wants these believers to remember, to never lose sight of. And he's passionate about this because he sees, he sees, he sees a, a huge risk in their life if they forget what God's done for them for, through Jesus. He, he knows that they'll, they'll be rolling the dice when, when they're in the midst of their hard times. He knows that it's so easy for them to make unwise or even bad choices to get out from underneath the hardship that they're experiencing. <clears throat> Here's the deal, everybody. As mature believers, as mature, as grown up as we can be, and Peter knows, as solid as they've been in their commitment to Christ, Peter knows the human heart, the human mind. He knows how easy it is to forget the good things that happen in life and remember the bad things. And he knows that this is especially true when you're going through hard times. And the harder those times are, the easier it is to forget what you want to remember and to remember what you want to forget. It's so easy. 
It is so easy to forget the good in life and to remember the bad. And where this becomes most harmful for all of us is when you lose sight of spiritual truth, the most critical of all, forgetting the power of God's grace in Jesus. Let me put it this way. Really what Peter is saying here. No matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how wise you are in the faith, no matter how strong your moral character, there's this thing about the human heart, the human mind that forgets spiritual truth. It's an astonishing thing, Peter's saying. Unless you're constantly and relentlessly intervening on your heart and your mind from the outside, you're going to forget all the loving and good things you've experienced through the grace of God. And he said the greatest of all, God's grace in forgiving and cleansing you of your sin. Peter's saying it will all be forgotten. Unless you're fighting against the tendency to forget. Unless you're making a concerted effort. It's, it, it's going to take you down when you're in the midst of hard times. Which begs the question. How? How do you fight the tendency to forget? What can you do so that you don't lose sight of all the loving and good things you've experienced because of God's amazing grace and most, of, most important of all, God's grace in forgiving you and God's grace in cleansing you of your sin? How do you do that? Peter would say you do it. And he's, this is so profound, everybody. I mean, this is... This is something you want to write down and you want to memorize this. You want to just dig it deep in, into, inside of yourself. Peter would say, the way you do it is by seeing life through the power of God's grace in Jesus. Seeing life through the power of God's grace in Jesus. You want to write it down. So the question is, what does it mean to really remember spiritual truth? See, it's not, it's not just to be aware of it. It's not simply to see it. It means seeing life through it. It means to possess the truth and allow the truth to possess you. Let me take us all back to our academic days, all right? back in college or high school, remember when you were going to take a test? What kind of a test did you hope it wouldn't be? And what kind of a test did you hope it would be? You can, tell me, I hope it's not going to be an essay test. I hope it's going to be a multiple choice test or a true-false test, right? Now, there's a reason for that. Which is the easiest? Multiple choice, true, false, right? Have you ever taken a test and you went into the room, you went into the room where you're going to take the test and you thought you knew all the material. You thought you were ready. But when you got in there and you had the test in front of you and you looked at it and you saw, you go, 
Oh no, you saw that it was structured in such a way that you, you had to know how to apply the material. And you realized that though you had an awareness of it, you didn't possess it enough to use it. If only it had been a true-false test. If only it had been a multiple-choice test. Because you see, recognition is one thing, but to, be, to actually be able to articulate it and use it and apply the truth is another thing. When Peter, when Peter writes to these believers about remembering God's grace, he's talking about seeing all of life through it. He's talking about applying the truth of God's grace to how you think and to what you say and to what you do. Which brings us then to what he writes in verse 5, 6, and 7 where he said this. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to a mutual affection, love. Peter's saying that in each one of these, you and I are to be growing in increasing measure. And Peter is also saying, I know you can because you have the power of God's grace in you. So let's look at three of them, all right? Uh, growing in self-control, growing in perseverance, growing in love. Self-control is the ability to be on top of yourself, okay? It's a mastery of your own heart, your, your own emotions, your own habits, what you do and what you do not do. Perseverance is the ability to never give up. It's the ability to face anything without going under. Instead of, instead of panicking in hard circumstances, uh, a, a person who perseveres is like a rock on the coast of the ocean who, that stands through the ages, even though the breakers, the water from the ocean, keeps breaking against it over and over again. To love, growing in love means the kind of people that everyone else hates, everyone else finds burdensome, troublesome. If you're growing in Christ-like love, you love them. People that everyone else gives up on, you continue to love. And so the question to ask is, ask yourself, am I growing in self-control? Am I growing in perseverance? Am I growing in love? <laughs> if you take an honest look at yourself and, and you would say to yourself, yes, I am. I, I can see growth in myself in each one of these areas. I'm, I'm stronger today than I was a year ago in each one of them. Self-control, perseverance, and love. If you'd say that, or better yet, if you, had, if you asked a close friend or several close friends, do you see me growing in each one of these areas? And they would say, oh yeah, I can see you growing in all of them. If you'd say that, if you'd say that, Peter would affirm you. And, and, and Peter would, would say why, why he's grateful to, to see this happening in your life. So he, he would say to you what he, he wrote to them in verse 8, this statement. He said, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive 
in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, Peter, Peter would say to you, oh, you are making the most of your life. You are growing spiritually. You are becoming more like Jesus. You are making an impact for good in the lives of other people. You, you really are living a life that's, that's effective and productive for the glory of God. But if you'd say, I'm not growing in any one of these areas. I'll be honest with you, Steve. I'm not growing in self-control. I'm not growing in perseverance. I'm not growing in love. If you'd say that, Peter would say to you what he said to the men and women who first received his letter. And let me tell you again. Now, remember, this is Peter talking. And so he's saying it. He's, he's really bottom-lining it, okay? I mean, he's saying it as direct as you can say it. This is what he'd say to you. Whoever does not have them, all those things he wrote, okay, and, you know, self-control, perseverance, love. Whoever does not have them, you're nearsighted. You're blind, Peter's saying. You're forgetting. You're forgetting that you've been cleansed from your past sins. Peter's saying, if you're not growing in self-control, but finding yourself controlled by your habits, your, your emotions, your addictions, whatever it is that shouldn't be a part of your life. If you're not growing in perseverance, but you're finding yourself panicking and flagging all the time. If, if you're not becoming more loving, but actually more irritable and impatient with other people. If any of this is true of you, Peter's saying, you've forgotten the gospel. You've forgotten the power of God's grace in Jesus. You've forgotten that you've been forgiven and cleansed of all of your sin. You've got the gospel. You believe it, but you're forgetting it. And it's likely that your lack of spiritual growth comes from this. The gospel, the power of God's grace in your life has ceased to be the functional lens through which you're looking at all of life. All of life. Now, right now, you might be sitting and listening to me and you might be having a little conversation with me and you're pushing back and you're saying, Hey, Steve, listen, listen, it's true that I'm, I'm not growing in those areas in my life, but I'm a Christian, I've been a Christian for years. I have never forgotten God's forgiveness and God's grace in my life. I don't know what you're talking about, Steve, when you say that. I mean, what do you mean I forgot, I've forgotten the power of God's grace in Jesus? What I'll tell you, and I'm, I'm going to say this, and, and sincerely, in all the love that Peter had, in saying what he did to those believers back then. And I'm also going to say this, saying, telling you, I've had to take a really hard look in, into my own life as I've worked on this sermon, okay? So, I'm saying this because you're allowing yourself to be controlled by your emotions, you're not changing old habits, but you're saying, well, see, that's just the way I am. I can't help it. You're allowing sinful thoughts and words and actions to control you instead of being changed from within by the power of God's grace living in you. 
Or when it comes to perseverance, on the one hand, you're saying, I haven't forgotten God's grace. I haven't forgotten God's forgiveness. But I'm scared to death about something that's coming up this week. I'm overwhelmed with worry. Do you know why? You know why you're overwhelmed? Again, saying this with love. Because you've forgotten. You've forgotten that God in his eternal, joyous, unmerited, unchanging, sovereign love, though you deserve a thousand hells like I deserve a thousand hells at infinite, measureless cost to his own son, God put his arms around you and God received you into his heart, into his life. You've forgotten that. Oh, yes, you have. You have if you know that God did all of that for you, and yet, yet you're thinking, somehow you're thinking, God's going to abandon you this week. Or it might be that you're struggling with bitterness towards someone right now. There's someone in your life that you are unwilling to love. And I just got to say to you, and again, I'm going to say it in love. If you are, if you're unwilling to forgive somebody, if you're unwilling to love somebody, you're not seeing that person through the gospel, through God's forgiveness of your own life, through the power of God's grace in you through Jesus. Oh, it's true, everybody. It's one thing to see the gospel. It's another thing to see all of life, all of life through the gospel, all of life through the power of God's grace in Jesus. Write this down. Let it get inside of your heart and your mind. See in life through the power of God's grace in Jesus. So do you know what it takes to do this? Do you know what it takes to make the gospel the functional lens through which you look at all of life? Do you know what it takes? No surprise here, everybody. You're not going to be surprised. What I'm going to say, first of all, number one, two key spiritual disciplines. The discipline of daily consistent time in Scripture and the discipline of daily time in prayer. You see, we all need to know that every day, everything in our world around us is battling to become the lens through which you see all of life. There's a battle going on for your heart and for your mind. And to win that battle, you need daily consistent time in Scripture. Daily consistent time in conversation with God in prayer. What a privilege that is. Number two, I believe accountability with other Christians. Asking for the honesty of other believers to speak truth into your own life. See, don't simply trust your own perspective on how well you're doing. I mean, be very practical about this to help you know if you're growing in increasing measure and all of these things. Ask your friends, the people who know you best. Say, ask them, am I more, more self-controlled today than I was a year ago? <laughs> am I more peaceful? Am I less anxious than I was last year? Am I more loving and caring? And if you are, and everyone says you are, great, then you, you haven't forgotten. But if they'd say, if they'd look at you and they'd go, what are you talking about? You want me to be honest with you? 
Oh, no, you're not growing. You're not growing in self-control. You're not growing in perseverance. You're not growing in love. If they'd say that, then you, you can know you've forgotten. You've forgotten the power of God's grace in Jesus. <laughs> See, friends, make every effort to make the gospel the functional lens through which you look at all of life. The problem that you have that you're looking at right now, look at it through the gospel. Put the gospel on it. See it through the power of God's grace in Jesus. Abraham Lincoln is one of our most often quoted presidents, and for good reason. He's a very wise man. He was a very wise man who had a very hard life. Read a biography of Lincoln and you'll learn that it was about as hard as life gets. The death of his mother and his sister when he was only a boy. A father that really never ever showed him any, any love, any respect, any kindness. Hard, hard work on, on the wild frontier to literally survive physically. The death of his first wife. The death of two of his sons. The hatred of many people who opposed him during the Civil War. And then his own lifelong, lifelong struggle with depression. I don't know if you know it or not, but Abraham Lincoln was not only very wise, he also had a great sense of humor, and he was always making fun of himself. He was willing to do that. And reflecting on all of his life, he once described himself in a way that I think we should all aspire to. He said this, he, he said, I'm a slow walker. I'm a slow walker, but I never walk backwards. Just think about that. I'm a slow walker, but I never walk backwards. See, that's what Peter's saying to all of us. He's saying, never walk backwards. Never walk backwards. He's saying, press forward in following Jesus. He's saying, keep on growing spiritually. And I got to tell you, everybody, Peter is absolutely right when he said, you do this, you do this, you keep walking forward, you keep doing it, you do it by seeing life through the power of God's grace in Jesus. Ah. So grateful for God's word. Let's, um, I'm going to lead us in prayer, and then we're going to share in communion together. Rob's going to lead us in that, open, bringing us into it, and then I'm going to come up before you eat the bread and drink the cup, and I'm just going to say a few words before we do that. But let's, let's pray. Well, Father, I thank you for the wisdom of your word. I'm amazed at how... Your Holy Spirit used a man like Peter to write words that were so profound, so life-changing. I thank you for this. And I ask, Father, that your Holy Spirit will help us to remember what Peter said to us. Help us, Father, to remember it and to believe it and to live our life through it power of God's grace, the power of your grace in Jesus. Amen.